Sometimes the smallest things can make the biggest impact. There's no better example of this in the modern world than the intermodal container, a.k.a. the shipping container. You've probably seen them on ships, trains, and trucks, and believe it or not, these rectangular metal boxes are responsible for the entire modern economy. Learn more about shipping containers on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by Scotty Vest. If shipping containers revolutionize trade, then Scotty Vest is the shipping containers of clothing. Scotty Vest clothes make it easy to carry all the gear you need to bring with you, regardless if you're traveling or just going about your day. And Scotty Vest solves the problem that so many women face with not having pockets in their clothes. All Scotty Vest clothes and jackets have ample pockets for both men and women. Best of all, the pockets are so well integrated into the clothes that most people won't even know you're carrying anything. You can get 15% off your next order by going to scottyvest.com and using coupon code everything everywhere, all one word, at checkout. To understand the shipping container, you first have to understand what shipping was like before the container. For thousands of years, humans shipped goods by sea. For that entire time, while ships improved and got larger, the process of loading, storing, and transporting goods never really changed. Romans would ship wine or olive oil in clay containers known as amphorae. These were usually longest containers with a pointy end, and they usually couldn't stand on their own. When they find Roman shipwrecks today, the one thing they usually find in mass are amphorae. Each one of these had to be loaded and unloaded onto a ship one at a time. This was known as break bulk shipping. Other items such as ceramics or metals might be packed in crates, but they too had to be handled one at a time. The result was that a ship would often spend more time in port than they did at sea because loading and unloading a ship was so labor-intensive and inefficient. Even well into the 20th century, it still took days or even weeks to load or unload a ship with break bulk cargo. That was because everything was in a separate crate, box, barrel, or bundle. You had to haul everything out individually, usually with a team of hundreds of people, put it in a warehouse before it was then put on trucks or trains individually and shipped off. Even the use of pallets and cranes to help load and unload really didn't make the process super efficient. Most of the containers were built on a company-by-company basis. There was no consistency between companies, and often within companies. The containers would often be made out of wood or other cheap metal, and sometimes they didn't even have a top. They would often be more like bins than containers. The first real advance towards a standard modular system for shipping occurred in 1947, just after World War II, by the American Transportation Corps. They created something called a transporter, which was a metal box used by the military. They expanded this in 1952 with the creation of the Container Express, or Con-X box system. At first glance, the Con-X box looks very similar to modern shipping containers. They were modular, could be stacked, and they were sealed. However, the real advance and the creation of the system we have today came in 1955 from the owner of an American trucking company called Malcolm McLean. McLean had no knowledge of the shipping industry. He was a truck guy. In 1955, before the interstate highway system was built, he was concerned that increased traffic was going to make it difficult for him to transport goods via roads. His company mostly transported goods along the East Coast. He thought that most of the long-haul portion of a route could be done by ship, with just the last section handled by truck. He envisioned putting the trailer of a truck 
onto the ship and then sailing with the trailer and then offloading the trailer again where another truck could take it to the final destination. He also realized it would be much easier and more efficient if he could separate the box part of the truck trailer from the wheels. On April 26, 1956, McLean converted a World War II tanker called the Ideal X and loaded it with 58 metal containers and shipped them from Newark to Houston. It was the first use of what we would today call shipping containers. The size of the containers he used was determined by the trucking laws of the state of New Jersey. The original containers were 8 feet wide by 8.5 feet tall by 35 feet long. Two years later, another company, Matson, made their own shipping containers, except they were 24 feet long to meet the laws in the state of California. In 1968, McLean won a contract with the U.S. military to ship goods to Vietnam via shipping containers. In the contract, the military paid for the round trip of the ships. However, the goods only went to Vietnam. On the return trip, all of the containers were empty. McLean found an eager buyer for his ships and containers going back to the United States in Japan, which at the time was just starting to expand its manufacturing industry. This cheap shipping to the United States was a huge reason for the increase in Japanese exports and the growth of their economy. We were moving in the right direction, but we still needed to nail down a standard. Between 1969 and 1970, the International Maritime Organization published standards for shipping containers so there would be standard sizes for containers for all shippers, which meant that ships and port facilities could be built for standardized units. The patents held by Malcolm McLean were released to the world and made royalty-free so his system could become a global standard. The vast majority of shipping containers conform to these standards, that being 8 feet wide, 8.5 feet high, with a length of either 20 or 40 feet, although today many of the containers are now 9.5 feet high. They're made of corrugated steel with locking castings on each of the eight corners. These castings allow the containers to be stacked and locked to each other or locked to the bed of a train or a truck. One of the biggest challenges of early shipping containers were unions. Brake bulk shipping was extremely labor-intensive. Container shipping needs far fewer people to handle far more cargo. They renegotiated contracts with most of the dock workers in the United States, and that included negotiating pay increases to compensate for the fact that the locked containers couldn't be pilfered, which was considered part of the compensation package for many dock workers. The cost savings from container shipping caused global trade to explode. For example, the cost to load a ton of goods in 1956 was $5.86. Today, it's just $0.16, cents, and those numbers are adjusted for inflation. A single worker could move 1.7 tons of goods in 1965, and five years later in 1970, that number was 35 tons. Over 90% of all manufactured goods in the world today are transported at some point in a shipping container. As container shipping grew, more ships were designed just to handle containers, and more ports were equipped just to handle containers. Today, container ships are the largest ships in the world. The current largest container ships were launched in 2020 by the South Korean company HMM. They can carry 23,964 20-foot equivalent units, or TEUs, or 11,982 of the longer, more common 40-foot units. The time it takes to process the largest container ships is now about 24 hours, which is far less than the time it took to unload far smaller ships just 60 years ago. Other advancements in shipping containers include refrigerated containers that allow for produce and foodstuffs to be shipped cheaply. As more and more containers were built, 
people began finding more and more uses for them. In the 1980s, the first buildings were made out of shipping containers, and this is something you can now find in many cities around the world. There are companies now offering pre-made offices, which are the same dimensions as shipping containers, allowing these buildings to be sent on-site almost anywhere in the world. Las Vegas has a container park with restaurants, bars, and stores, which are all located inside shipping containers. So where does container shipping go from here? There's actually a lot of innovation still going on in container shipping, even though it seems really simple. One company has developed a foldable shipping container so it doesn't take up as much space when it's not being used, and you can return more empty containers on ships in fewer trips. Ships also keep getting larger, and they also have smaller and smaller crews. One goal is to eventually have ships that are totally automated and can sail from port to port without any crew or at least a very small skeleton staff. Likewise, ports are becoming more and more automated as well. A fully automated port is probably not that far off, and many aspects of port processing have already been automated. Improved customs processing would also be a huge improvement, and it's estimated that streamlining customs and developing global standards could facilitate trade as much as another round of global trade negotiations would. It's hard to state just how important shipping containers are to the modern world economy. Malcolm McLean was named the Man of the Century by the International Maritime Hall of Fame. When he passed away in 2001, obituary said he was as important as Robert Fulton, the inventor of the steamboat, was to international shipping. Former U.S. Transportation Secretary Norman Mineta gave this eulogy to McLean. Quote, Malcolm revolutionized the maritime industry in the 20th century. His idea for modernizing the loading and unloading of ships which was previously conducted in much the same way the ancient Phoenicians did 3,000 years ago, has resulted in much safer and less expensive transportation of goods, faster delivery, and better service. We owe so much to a man of vision, the father of containerization, Malcolm McLean. Executive producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is James Makala. If you ever wanted to give some direct feedback on a show, provide show suggestions, or just talk about some of the previous episodes, I've started a Discord server. If you aren't familiar with Discord, it's basically an online chat room that you can use as a standalone app, or in a browser, or on your phone. I'm usually there in the evenings, and occasionally throughout the day in North America time. Just go to everything-everywhere.com slash Discord, or click on the link in the show notes.